I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, welcome back to Smash Pod. This is part two. If you want to hear part one, why not go back and listen to that? In the meantime, here's part two. I hope you enjoy. I really do. Okay, pal, why the Mahashka? Why are you packing the gun? I'm a treasury officer. All right. Just remember what we talked about now. Wait a minute. What the hell kind of police you have in this goddamn city, huh? What do they teach you? You just turned your back on an armed man. You're a treasury officer. Yeah, how do you know that? I just told you I was. Who would claim to be that who was not? Hmm? I know that Connery had some problems with the violence, uh, or the, the sheer amount of blood in, mm. his, uh, in his death scene later on yeah. uh, but that's one of the things that makes the movie stand out for me it, you, it know, uh, you know it, it feels it's hyper stylized obviously uh, but apart from some of the choice colourful language mm. um, if it wasn't for that and if it wasn't for this it does feel like it could almost come out it could be a period piece yeah. you know, it could have come straight from the from the 30s 40s and 50s yeah. uh, obviously with some flourishes of, of De Palmas as well but uh, the blood makes it feel real and it makes the stakes feel real. Really? Well. I mean, you, yeah. you, you're scared of Capone and his people in this because of Absolutely. The, the, the sheer violence he's handing out and how evil he is. So yeah. this scene is brilliant for that. And then just after that, we get the alderman comes to see Ness. We get the alderman, but just before that, if I can mm. just say, yeah. in, in, in keeping an eye on poor Patricia Clarkson, and oh. I always thank this role in the history of movies, uh. Uh, there's a scene in between that where we get to see her with Elliot Ness and she's praying, she's praying for him so you know basically there's you know she is the most devoted there's not a, there's not a single bit of uh color to her character whatsoever oh i, I couldn't sorry I, I i couldn't tell your name if, if you oh no me. mrs ness that's pretty much i it. think it's family family yeah <laughs> wife number one i think is what she's credited as you can rock it you can rock it you can go to Kimbuktu. <laughs> you'll never find elliot ness in the zoo um I, we, we skipped over a very important scene my fault i'm sorry before have the we? baseball bat scene they have dinner they do and this is where we get the oh would you look at the heathen 
<laughs> one of his one one of his two moments of being Irish, uh, because he talks about the Saint Jude, the patron saint of lost causes. Yes, yes. And then Scoop, a little little uh, photographer, comes in. He goes, "Can I take a picture, Mister Ness, Ness, Mister mm-hmm. Ness?" And uh, and they and he says, "Yes, but only for us, only for private." And Scoop agrees to this very very alarmingly quickly, which makes mm. me think that there's some sort of weird sex scene going on. I think there is. There is. Yeah. But um. But I. Whenever the the picture gets taken in the film you know we see it later on obviously um, it made me wonder who took that picture and do they still have it because you know imagine just having that original picture on your wall uh, that'd be worth oh, shitloads. someone's got that oh i bet he, costner's got it he probably does he probably uh, does yeah people should write in and tell us or send it to us yeah because quite often in films people might not know this but quite often actors can just say can i have that and they'll say yeah <laughs> I, I read an interview the other day with Taron Egerton mm-hmm. where he said that when he was doing the troubadour scene in Rocket Man, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when they'd finished, he said, Well, can I have that neon troubadour sign for my kitchen? And they said, Yeah. Shit, really? Yeah, so apparently in his kitchen now he's got the neon troubadour sign. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's fantastic. Because, you know, you hear so often about, uh, you know, they make these incredible sets and these incredible, you know, they get these wonderful bits of furniture and stuff in. And then, you know, three days later when the scene is finished, they strike the set, which means, you know, they completely and utterly destroy it. Mm. And sometimes it makes the oh, it makes the heart weep thinking oh. about all that stuff that gets just trashed. So I'm glad some of it has ended up in Taron Egerton's kitchen. That's nice. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that this is an after the baseball bat scene, the, old, the um, alderman comes in. And tries to bribe Ness. He does. He does, like a prick. Mm. Uh, and it goes horribly, horribly wrong for him because Ness is a man of virtue and a man of honour. And mm. he won't be bribed in such a way. Um, and interestingly enough, I don't know if uh, people know this, but the guy playing the alderman mm. is called Del Close. And Del Close is one of the great figures in it of American comedy. Hmm. Um, and, but not a lot of people will know him but he is a tremendous he was he died a couple of years ago but he was um, like Mike Myers swears by him he was like Mike Myers mentor for, for years and years and years oh wow and uh, he is uh, he was one of the, the founding fathers of, of long form improv in in Chicago wow and therefore in the States as well and uh, and he you know he he wrote a he wrote a book about improv and uh, people worship at his feet but he hadn't he didn't do a lot of uh, movie stuff but he's really good in this, really slimy and, and oh, smarmy. Really slimy, yeah. And this is where Costner quotes Julius Caesar to him, or, or mentions facts from, um, you know, in Roman times. Mm. If you were found to be a, a bribing official, they would cut your nose off, put you in a bag with wild animals, and throw you in a river. <laughs> Which feels like something his Jim Garrison character would say in JFK. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Also, feels like something he has either done or wants to do. Mm. This is how he gets his sick kicks. He's got a bag um, of wild animals and he's looking for someone to put in it. <laughs> he really is. Mm. Um, but this is the scene with terrible ADR yeah. that I was talking about. So at the end at the end of the scene, uh, Ness grabs the alderman and basically throws him out of his office. And he says the line, he, he delivers the payoff line, uh, tell Capone, I'll see you in hell. Mm. And he manages to do this without moving his lips, <laughs> which is just tremendous. Yeah. Well, many people don't realise Elliot Ness was a skilled ventriloquist. <laughs> you tell Capone, I got luck here. I got luck here. I'm not going back in the box. <laughs> Tell that to Capone. <laughs> Capone's like, what is this message? I'm not going back in the box. A gottle of gear? What does that mean? 
He's just nothing but a load of ventriloquist and a badge. <laughs> or hidden talk. Anyway, um, so um, Ness goes home and this is when Nitty's parked outside his house. Oh, the prick. Yeah. What a prick. It's nice to have a family. <laughs> yes. He's not Mexican. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> He's really creepy in this. Of course, it mm. begs the question, why don't they just... They know where Ness lives and just kill him. Yeah. <laughs> like, just shoot him now. Well, they've tried bribing him. They're now threatening his family. Yeah, and um, he's like, so he immediately goes, "Look, Patricia Clarkson, you've had too many scenes in this movie. You are you are stealing the show. You are mm. in danger of taking the spotlight away from me with your well-rounded characterization. Yeah. So, I'm afraid you're going to have to go to stay with your sister, probably. Yeah, you're going to get on a train with um, Malone's cousin. He's going to take you cousin. to the train station, and yes. you're going to get out of Chicago yeah. until okay. the dust has settled." Go and stay in the travel lodge. Travel lodge. Yeah, and Nitty Nitty's outside their home, going. I had a wife once. She she fell on her knitting needle. Ah, it was awful. Yeah. And then he got arrested because he didn't drive away when he was supposed to. <laughs> yes. The end. <laughs> That's it. Movie over. <laughs> Done. Uh, but this is when um, Malone turns up and and, and Ness says to him, "I want to get Capone. I want to get him. Mm. Really want to get him now." And Malone yes. says, well, happy Christmas. <laughs> because we've just found out there's a huge shipment coming in. <laughs> by, by strange coincidence. By, you won't believe the stroke of luck we've just had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yes, off they go. Off they pop to the uh, Canadian border. Yeah. And um, apparently this was always in the script before De Palma came on. Oh, but, really? uh, Yeah, but he wanted to. Uh, but it was a slightly different... Involved sleds and stuff and snow and and whatnot, but oh. uh, but he wanted to get it out of Chicago for for a bit. Mm. It's a good move. Is, it is a good move because yeah. you know, Chicago can be it's beautiful, beautiful city and it looks incredible in this film. But it can get a little bit well, not samey. I'm going to offend everybody who lives in Chicago and loves it, mm. but it can get a bit oppressive to yeah. spend the entire movie in. Oh, absolutely! Now you've got this big wide open space. It's certainly something else to look at. And yeah, a good set piece as well. It's very memorable. Really good set piece, and this you know. This is as pure a non-Western Western as you're going to get mm. because, you know, it is, it's about white hats and black hats, this movie. Mm. And, you know, in this, you know, there's the shot literally of the four untouchables on horseback mm. and you can't get any more on the nose than that, mm. uh, uh, you know, going in, saddling up, getting their guns out and taking down some of the bad guys, including the, the movie's second George. Mm. But, uh, you know, what's interesting about this as well is that this is the first real set piece of the film. And we're nearly an hour in. Yeah. And, you know, we've had little bursts of, of action here and there. But uh, I wonder if this movie were made nowadays, we'd probably have... It would probably start at the end, as most movies do these days. Most yeah. action movies seem to do these days. Yeah. Uh, it would probably start Malone's death. Mm. Uh, and then flashback from there. I'm Malone, and I expect you're wondering how I got into this situation. <laughs> and uh, Just like Sonic but, the Hedgehog. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And Malone um, being chased through the streets by Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> I would be fully there for that. But, yeah. you know, nowadays you probably have a studio going, needs more incident, needs more yeah. incident, needs more incident. Mm-hmm. And But uh, but they managed to, with here, they they hold steadfast and true. And this is a great sequence. Yeah, because the we have George played by Brad Sullivan, who's an actor I loved because he's in Slapshot as the one who's always horny. <laughs> Why don't you ask her how many? Oh, he's really disgusting in that film. I love him. And in this, he gets the, he also says the, word, the words fuck off the best way I've ever heard, ever. <laughs> This is where he says, why don't you guys fuck off? <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they, they stop the raid, they get all the booze, um, and they, they hold up in this cabin with George. 
who won't talk. And there's an Italian guy who uh, Ness ends up killing because he doesn't understand him. And Ness is really upset about murdering someone. He He's really upset, but I think he's also a bit embarrassed because he didn't mm. speak Italian. Yeah. And he, he's maybe a bit embarrassed at his shortcomings. Uh, a spot of Duolingo will sort that out in no time at all, Elliot. But, uh, but that's also, it's an interesting... Um, step along his journey to becoming the sort of not a moral because he's not a moral at the end of the movie but no. you know throughout, throughout the movie um malone is nudging him and saying you know what are you prepared to do you have to bend the law you have to bend the law you have to be prepared to be worse than capone to get mm. capone essentially mm. and uh this is one of the first times that he, he doesn't kill the guy in cold blood because he no. has a gun in his hand but uh you can see what it means to him to shoot someone to kill someone uh, and it's just a little step along the the evolution that will end with him you know throwing nitty off the roof it was really funny as well because the Italian guy he kills, I was thinking, I know that guy from somewhere, I know him from somewhere. And then I realised he's one of the stupid mobsters from Midnight Run. When oh the, my God. You know the mobster is always on the phone and the other guy's like flicking his ear to piss him oh off. Oh my God. He's that guy. That's, well, because I realised when I was watching the movie as well that the accountant, yeah. uh, Walter, is Jerry from Midnight Run. Yes. The guy who's always going to get donuts. Hey, does anyone want a cup of coffee? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, clearly. He's got three Midnight Runners in this film. Well, it must have been cast out of Chicago in yeah. that run. It must have been. Yeah, all you need is Joey Pants in this. Oh, uh, he would he would send it over the top. This mm. movie's a, a nine and a half out of ten yeah. uh, all-time classic. <laughs> Joey, Joey Pants, <laughs> as he does with every movie he's in, yeah. uh, including Bad Boys 2. Including uh, Bad Boys 2. And turn it into an all-time, all-time, all-time classic. Same with Daredevil. <laughs> Steady now. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> You think you don't need Joey Pants, but I, if, there's, if there's someone in my film who's going to know that there's DD written in petrol on the floor. It's, <laughs> it's Joey, Joey Pants. Do you know he got hit by a car recently? Did you read that? No, I didn't read that. Yeah, and oh. he got hit by a car, and uh, but luckily he, he was fine, but he was uh, he had to be taken to the hospital. Oh, he, yeah. had a, he had a Stephen King incident. <laughs> he did, he shat his pants. Um, oh, oh I love Joey Pants. He's great. He is great. Oh, He's, he was consistently in all, some of my favourite films for ages. Anyway, let's and, move uh, on. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a Joey Pants uh, podcast in it and <laughs> yeah. down the line. Yeah, yeah pants, awesome. on, pants on fire. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, now, in the, in the process of catching the other George, uh-huh. and also George Stone gets shot in the shoulder, but he's okay. He's fine. I'm yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, they, they, they recover the ledger. They do because Wallace goes full maniac. Oh. Uh, Oscar goes full maniac here and uh, takes out a whole bunch of guys, kills a whole bunch of guys because he is a he is a, a trained cop, I guess, or oh. a fed. I guess he's a fed. Oh. And uh, and he takes it. There's a comedy bit of business with the guy whose gun jams, and then uh, Oscar knocks him out, and then he takes a little you know cheeky illicit sip of the leaking liquor. Do you know what that bit yeah. reminded me of? What's that? There's a bit in Galaxy Quest where Alan Rickman attacks the alien and the alien's gun jams. And Rickman oh, runs yes. at him and hits him with a pole or something. Yes, yes, yes. It's almost like exactly the same scene. Holy shit. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you've hit something there. Yeah. Hit it. It's an homage, maybe. Homage. Let's yeah. go with that. Let's yeah. go with that. Uh, I'm not saying that The Untouchables ripped off Galaxy Quest. That's up to you. <laughs> to, to make that link. <laughs> yes. Um, ri- so, yeah. Sorry, yeah, they find the ledger and they're saying to George, you know, you're going to have to do some talking for us. Not for us. We're not, yeah. we're not mute. Um, <laughs> but this is when um, Oscar points at him and says, this man can finger Al Capone. <laughs> and I thought, I don't, th- I think, I mean, technically we all could, I should say, he probably doesn't want to. 
He's not that kind of lady. Oh, the second I heard that, I thought, this is this is music to John's ears. <laughs> yeah, and this is the famous scene where Sean loses it. So Malone loses it. I want to finger Al Capone, yeah. you bastard. I'm horny. Um, so he grabs the corpse from outside and pretends to interrogate him because George won't talk. And that's when it, this is the other Irish. He says, what's the matter? Can't you talk with a gun in your mouth? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, he was trying, bless him. He was. And then he shoots the dead body's head off. Yeah, overkill. And George says, oh, all right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what you want, what you want to know. Yeah, he goes really Italian for some reason. Mm. Like he ha- he's been like proper Chicago just before that. And then all of a sudden yeah. he's like full, you know, good fellas, authentic Chicago, Italian pizza. He's a bit like that. And yeah. it's, it's like, what the hell? Yeah, that's a bit weird. But this Bada is bing. when the Canadian Mountie guy says, as they walk past, because uh, Ness takes Sean Connery outside. Mm. And the Canadian man goes, Mr. Ness, I don't approve of your methods. <laughs> and this is when Ness has fully gone over to the other side because he turns around and says, oh, yeah? And you're not from Chicago. <laughs> and it, that moment to me is all about Connery because Connery's looking at him and then goes to look away and then kind of does a double take. Yeah. Just to say, did you just say that? Yeah. I love that yeah. bit. Also, it's really interesting, isn't it, that he he's clearly killing the guy, has, has nudged him along. His path, as I said. But it's interesting that that moment is he's on his own completely. So no one else sees that. Mm. No one else sees him go through that. Mm. Yeah, which I might have to, may, may, may or may not be interesting. But uh, mm. I thought it's, it's interesting. Malone wasn't around for that, that sort of step of uh, Ness's evolution. No. Yeah. I also, I also meant to mention there's a shot. On the, they're on the plane on the way to Canada. And yeah. I fucking, again, this is more De Palma porn. Mm. I love the way it's shot because you get this little tight window of yeah. Ness being woken up by Oscar, who's all excited, saying, you know what, we can definitely get Capone for tax evasion. Yeah. And that's when Ness says, well, can we link it to any of him? And he says, no. And then he just goes, oh, go to sleep, Oscar. But the camera pans out, and um, we're outside a, a, compla- a giant plane with the propellers yeah. going around, and it just slowly sort of tilts to the front of the plane. And for no reason, there's no need to have a giant plane. I'm obviously on a soundstage with the propellers going, <laughs> but it's such a good shot, and it's got all the dry ice rushing through it, so it looks like it's in the air. But yeah, God, it's so good. It's very Hitchcockian mm. uh, in a lot of ways, you know, little little nods. Um, but uh, yeah, I I, I love that shot as well. I was just thinking about the the poor guys, the poor um, you know crew members who had to spray water at the right moment yeah. to make it look like it was raining. Because yeah. uh, it's cl- you're right, it's clearly on a gimbal, just rocking back and forth, yeah. very very slowly. But they've yeah, obviously put a full size plane in a in, in a soundstage and just run it. Yeah, just to get but, that shot. It's amazing. These are sort of things we want to think about now that we're old and jaded. You know, whenever I saw this movie when I was a kid. Because uh, I would have seen this movie when I was oh god eleven and mm. uh, probably not of age to see this movie. Yeah, but you know I, I would just go on yeah so the, yeah they got on a plane to do that. I can totally see that. Yeah, That's totally fine. But you could easily do that scene inside a plane that you've built on a soundstage for like ten quid. Yeah, but he's yeah. chosen to do it outside a full size plane. Oh, bless genius! Him. Bless him. Um, but this is the very sad scene after that because oh, um, no. uh, George and Oscar. I'm going to go out because um, Capone's been subpoenaed. Oh, did you yep. notice who's playing the DA in this? I did. Uh, Sheriff J.W. Pepper. <laughs> Which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, does he have any scenes with Connery? No. It's such a shame. That would have been a nice little crossover. It uh, would. Of some kind. But yeah, he's not, he's not credited. So 
I was watching it the whole way through going, I know that guy. Who, mm. is, who is that guy? And I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, it's Sheriff Pepper. Mm. Um, but yeah, for some reason, Clifton James, and it's a fairly substantial role. He yeah. has loads of dialogue, mm. isn't credited, and I don't really know why. That's very strange. But So to protect their key witness, uh, Oscar, definitely the wrong person to take him, but anyway, is going to mm. take George down in the lift, the service elevator, to take him away to police protection. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, we see, just as the lift closes, the lift operator is nitty. Oh, it's time for the nitty-gritty. And again, another De Palma thing where the woman comes out of the lift and we follow her instead of the lift. Yes. Then that's really interesting because oh. it's shot in a way and she behaves in a way that it seems makes you think... It's, it's designed to make you think that she's in on it somehow. I think she is. I think she's a distraction for Oscar so he doesn't look at the lift operator. That's interesting. Because as she walks out of the lift, she gives him a look, and then he says, oh, yes, much more diverting than accounting. Yeah. And walks into the lift and then doesn't notice who the lift operator is. I think that's the whole point. Well, she looks back as well. She mm. looks back at the lift as if my job is done here. Yeah. And then the camera follows her, and she then she kind of blends into the, uh, yeah. into the melee. Yeah. Um, but then she doesn't appear in the rest of the film. No. And it's just, it's interesting, you know, you know obviously the, the amount of people who have uh, accused De Palma of not serving female characters very well uh, in, in his mm. movies over the years. Um, we don't have time to get into that now, I'm guessing. But, you know, mm. this is maybe more grist for the mill in that, you know, yeah. he's, he's blown up the little girl, Patricia Clarkson gets nothing to do. Mm. And now here's a woman who is some sort of angel of death and she never appears in the rest of the film. Right. Um but yeah, maybe that's just me. Maybe she went to the court to watch Al Capone. That's what women do. Yes, but that's all they do. Yeah. Back then, certainly. Um, so Al Capone's cross, as we know. And then um, there's a horrible scene, as you say. You're not prepared for it at all. Where George gets a bit pissed off with Oscar in the lift saying, you've got to protect me because these guys are... And then Nitty just turns around and blows his head off. Yeah. And then Oscar's like... <gasps> and you see him shoot him. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so sad. It's mm. so sad. And then uh, the, the timing may be slightly off. I don't know in terms of when they get into the lift and when he shoots him, and then how quickly it will, how quick it, it takes um, Malone and Ness to run down the stairs and out the back of the building. Yeah, because Nitty has to have enough time to shoot those two guys before he knows he's going to be interrupted. Yeah, uh, but also he has to have enough time to paint the word "touchable." Mm on the wall in Oscar's blood and it's a lot of blood and mm. it's really neat mm. penmanship as well so how much time does he have to do that I don't know maybe maybe that's one of his skills maybe he's <laughs> like those people that have to engrave the trophies in the Champions League final they have to do it really fast yeah he's just like oh, just dab of blood yep. touchable yep how do you spell touchable oh, T-O-U yeah got it be good if they cut to like Nitty doing like a Bob Ross style <laughs> This bit of lift, it looks a bit lonely. I'll give him a T. Oh, this O, this O looks like a happy face. <laughs> Nitty, could you speed it up, please? They're going to be hearing me. Oh, okay, then. I'll, you know, that's why the last three, four letters are garbled. Uh, able. Yeah, that, that's kind of legible. It'll be fine. I wonder if it had that moment, like when you write, when sometimes when you write big bubble writing and you realise you're too close to the edge of the paper, so yes. it, it all gets smaller. I wonder if that happened. <laughs> It's all it's all basically one big letter at the end. Oh fucking Abel. Oh, that'll do. Yeah. But also was was that something that occurred to him on the spur of the moment, or was he told specifically okay, okay was, so when you Yeah, when yeah. you kill the two guys, write the word touchable mm. on the wall. It's like what? Sorry, what what did you just say to me? Or did he was he just so in the moment after he killed George and Oscar, he was like, 
you know what? Fuck it. I'm mm. going to write the touchable on the wall. But there's a nice little attention to detail in that um, the police guy who's a bit of a corrupt police guy, we think, the Irish guy, Yeah. he looks down and sees the dead cop and then sees Nitty sort of leap out from the lift and run off. But, and then we cut to the alleyway and you see Nitty run past and if you look, his hands are both covered in blood. Ah, oh. I didn't go back and look, so yeah. yeah. That would make sense. And then, uh, and again, this is what I was talking about earlier. The way the policeman on the floor with the, the pool of blood by his head, it looks like a crime scene picture. And then they open mm. the lift. And again, the way they're both posed, it just looks from the from the, t- the time. And yeah. the way Oscar's kind of hung up on a door hook as well is really horrible. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. He didn't He didn't deserve it. He was just a number cruncher. That's yeah. that's all he was. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you're, you're probably you're probably absolutely right because they don't they don't feel like movie deaths. No. In, in that they're not stylized or glamorized in, in that way now here's a moment we get which is obviously taken from real life i think definitely mm-hmm. definitely where elliot ness races to al capone's hotel to call him a son of a, a guinea son of a bitch oh <laughs> we, the smirch pod cannot condone this language oh no absolutely not no, that's <laughs> offensive in the extreme i'm just quoting elliot ness the real elliot ness because this is based on a real event uh, when he Fair goes around there and, and you get Capone coming down the stairs with like his son who looks like a mini me <laughs> he's wearing the same sort of coat and sunglasses and this is uh, this is like what well, this is the only two scenes that him and De Niro have together this in the court yeah this is true this mm. is absolutely true uh, it's good that you pointed out his son there because I couldn't tell who he was pointing at because the guy he points at seems to be the same age as Robert De Niro. <laughs> well, he's he's trying to be well, he's not trying to be nice. He's not responding to him and that's when uh Costner says to him, "You son of a bitch." And then he mm. says, "You're going to talk to me like that in front of my son? Well, fuck you and your family." Yeah, it's like, you know, couldn't his son have been a little kid? I don't, I don't know. It, it took me out of the movie for a second. It's like his his son is clearly 55 years old. What the <laughs> hell's going on? It's Joss Ackland. <laughs> <laughs> Uncredited cameo. Uh, and that's when Malone comes in to save him and says, look, not here, not here, not now. And then they leave. Yeah, and this is another great scene for De Niro as well, who's fantastic mm. in this. You know, you got nothing, yeah. nothing. Um, that's... Nothing but a lot of talk and a badge. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. He is great in that. Um, slightly handy, they were coming down the stairs at the exact moment Elliot Ness wanted to see him. Mm. But maybe they were just waiting there, uh, waiting to see if anyone was uh, going to ask for him at the front desk. <laughs> Welcome to All Rather Mysterious, the podcast that aims to unlock the mysteries of the past with the key of fact. My name is John Rain. My name is Eleanor Morton. My name is David Reed. Please join us as we present to you mysteries that have baffled the world. You had any noises? What about um, a door creaking? Uh, no, uh, you don't have to do that. That weird kadook that yeah, lights going off makes for some reason in films. <laughs> All Rather Mysterious. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And then uh, the DA says, look, we're going to have to drop the case. Our best witness is dead. And unless you can get the bookkeeper, we're fucked. Yeah. And and, Costner, and sorry, and Ness is like, yeah, well, fair enough. You know, we've reached the point where we can't go anymore. It's shit, but we can't do anything. And then Malone says, stall the DA. Mm-hmm. I've got an idea. Yes. And he goes to see his friend, uh, the Irish guy, who's not Irish at all. Yes, although he does have a better Irish accent than Sean Connery. He does, but it's awful at times. Uh, at times, mm. yes, and they do uh, basically like a saga dinner theatre version of the fight from They Live. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they go full compo and Kalegi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's it's kind of amazing though. I again, I I, I love this scene. It's fantastic. Mm. I, again. Sadly, Malone is being slightly racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like Jimmy Malone is the lovable Irish cop we <laughs> we all love to root for, and then mm. you know, five seconds later, we regret to inform you that Jimmy Malone is racist. He goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes full milkshake duck here. He does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does. No, it is, he's great, and uh, he sticks it to the uh, the cop here, not in a, in a sex way. No, thankfully, no, no. But it, uh, basically, he says to him, "I, I want to know where this bookkeeper is, and you're going to tell me." Yeah. Um, and he's like, I'm talking to a dead man now. You're mm. a dead man saying this, Jimmy. Mm. Should have got you. You're much better. It's more authentic for me, mm. I feel. Oh, I think so. I, I, read, a, I read an article about uh, Jimmy Malone where someone has actually written uh, as if he was a real person an obituary of Jimmy Malone oh. uh, on, on the internet. And they state with absolute conviction that he was born in Northern Ireland. Right. I, I couldn't tell you. Where or how? You know that doesn't doesn't sound like a Northern Irish accent to me. But then again, people would say that about my accent. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you didn't win an Oscar for your accent, though, did you, Chris? So not yet, John. No, it's not true. yet. It's in the post. <laughs> um, so we we now know that we go back to Capone's place and and they tell you the bookkeeper is Walter Payne from Midnight Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to leave town now because they're looking for you. You've been subpoenaed, and you've got to go. So this is when Malone's at home. Home Malone. <laughs> yeah. And the wet bandits come. Uh, unfortunately, one of them brings a knife to a gunfight. Yes. <laughs> Josh like a, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Bringing a knife to an anvil fight. And then mm-hmm. he just drops a huge anvil and then big buckets of paint on them. And he then... puts Buzz's spider on his head and he runs <laughs> off. <laughs> 
I would love to see that. I but really it's would. It's one of those moments, especially if seeing it, like what you said earlier, you're around the same age as me when we first saw this. Mm. It's heartbreaking that he chases him out and you think, oh, good. And then there's Nitty standing there with that Tommy gun. Yeah. I mean, the sad thing is that the whole movie has been Malone dispensing wisdom to mm. Elliot Ness mm. and basically saying, you know, watch your back and, you know, be careful and trust nobody and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And in the end, he kind of falls for the oldest trick in the book. Yeah, which is he falls for a distraction, mm. and he doesn't think for a second that they, you know, the guy might be a, a, a lure, or he might have brought backup in in some way. Mm. Um, I still think I, I I've always thought this. I still think he has time to dive back into his house. Yeah, like Nitty takes like two to three seconds before he uh, opens fire, mm. uh, and then Nitty never uh, he doesn't uh, confirm the kill, which is a, a big no no. I, well. I think it's pretty confirmed. He shoots him fifteen <laughs> times in the front and back. <laughs> I don't think he's going to survive that. That's true, but this is a. Or he could have come a... back as Robo Malone. <laughs> sure of the public trust. <laughs> Protect the innocent, uphold the law. And number four is here under the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> number four is some horrendously racist epithet. <laughs> yeah, it just says racist in brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just loud beeping. Beep. <laughs> oh dear, racist Robo Malone. Oh, I love him. Uh, but yeah, this his death scene is is uh, so good. I mean, Morricone's busted out the. I think it's called the death theme. <laughs> There's a spoiler. He's busted out a few times with Malone, and it's kind of um, an, an omen of what's going to happen later. But yeah, oh, it's so beautiful. It's so good. Everything mm. about the scene is just beautifully done. Uh, yeah. the, the way the camera, it, you know, becomes a POV. The way that Malone, you know, who I don't know what this scene is doing in a weird way. This is one of those mm. things where if you if you apply plot logic to it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But Malone has just got some information about where the bookkeeper is going to be. Yeah. So why isn't he going straight to Ness with it? Or, mm. but I'm sure that I'm sure it's fine. Maybe he's waiting for Ness to turn up at his. Yeah. Maybe that's why Ness is on his way. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? Yeah. But um. It's uh, it's one of those things where it's just so beautifully shot. Mm. And it's so wonderfully blocked as well. You mm. have that sort of sort of double bluff where, you know, the guy gets to the door, turns back, and realizes that Malone is at the gramophone. Uh, mm. And of course, we know from earlier on that, like, literally, you know, one of the first things we see of yes. Malone is that he has his his gun in in the gramophone. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a sad death scene. Uh, yeah. uh, but when we get to his actual death scene, mm. when he when he dies. Um, uh, it's beautifully performed in a really interesting way, I think. And mm. of course, bring you know, bringing a knife to a gunfight, brings a knife to a gunfight is one of the great lines in movie yeah. history. Yeah, and also his death scene where he's giving the information to Ness where the bookkeeper would be reminds yeah. me of a fish called Wonder when they're trying to get the information out of Ken at the end. Sing it, sing it! Oh, come on! <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit like that. Yeah, uh, but he's so good the way that um, yeah. the way that he, you know, because I think most other actors, whenever he goes, his last line is, "What are you prepared to do?" Mm. You know, basically, man up, Elliot Ness, grow mm. pair. Mm. Um, most actors would have gone, "What are you prepared to do?" and have been mm. really quiet. But he's so fucking pissed off about dying, which yeah. is a you know. This, you know, this moment I go oh yeah he is Irish <laughs> <This> <laughs> point, although, although, uh, and uh, he, he, the way he leans forward and spits 
spits it with yes. his last vestiges of strength yeah. into Nessa's face is just tremendous. And then we got the scene, probably the most famous cult scene from this film, the train station. Oh my god. The uh, the oh. sequence that I call the Odessa step sequence, even yes. though <laughs> even though that's not the name of it, or, you know, the, the, so the Odessa step sequence is um, a sequence from Battleship Potemkin, mm. um, one of the greatest silent movies of all time. And I mean, um, we mentioned homages later. I mean, this is an homage and a half. It's an homage and a half, uh, mm. but I would argue uh, one of the rare homages that improves upon the yes. original. Uh, it's just absolutely tremendous. And I, I was reading a, a in depth article about. The Untouchables, and basically the script is so light that basically the script says, I think it says something like, Stone and Ness take action, and that's it. Wow. And then um, there was a much bigger action sequence in there at some point as they were heading towards the, the train station, but they didn't have the money to shoot it. So they ended up at Union Station in Chicago, and they had a few nights to do this, but they were they basically just made it up as they went along. It's incredible. Um, which is which is incredible. Um, it's just it's one of the Lee great action set pieces in in cinema history. Yeah, it also pays off the nugget we hear earlier that Stone's the best shooter in the academy. Yeah, really. So that does. comes into play later, and just the way they stop the buggy at the bottom and everything—it's just so beautifully done. Yeah, and incredible. the use of slow motion. I mean, the way De Palma uses squibs and everything is amazing. Because in the slow motion, there's a scene where a sailor gets shot on the back as he goes over this railing and as he's going over the railing you just get this long streak of blood coming out of his back yes. in the air and it's just it fascinates me there's the the, the 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 squib must have been fucking huge <laughs> um, but yeah everybody gets shot and then at the end you got one last gangster who's got a gun to the bookkeeper's head and he says i'll kill him and you'll have nothing mm. and that's when Ness just says to stone got him he goes got him <laughs> and that's it. But it's it's so great. But one of the, one of the things about that scene that makes it so effective, I think, is that most audiences would look at that scene and go, oh, "Okay, so there's a baby going down the stairs. Mm. Nothing bad is going to happen to that baby." Mm. But when you're watching The Untouchables, you flash your mind back almost two hours, and you think, oh, "Hang on, this movie began with a ten year old girl being blown to smithereens." Yeah. So actually, this might do. So is this is this a test of where Elliot Ness is? Uh, at this point in his development, so is he is he becoming so hard bitten that he's prepared to let a baby probably die mm. in order to get this guy? And the answer, of course, is no. But that that raises the the stakes and raises the tension uh, hugely. Uh, going down the stairs, trying to save the the baby, and I love the way that uh, Andy Garcia comes in at the end, and uh, in a, in a kind of almost the only action movie flourish in the mm. film where he tosses the gun to, to Ness and he mm. catches it at the same time as he's doing a, a sort of penalty area mm. slide yeah. to uh, to save the, the pram at the last minute. That yeah. is, that's terrific. It's absolutely terrific. I mean, it's the sort of sequence that should be studied yeah. uh, in film school. Yeah. And also quite funnily copied in Naked Gun 3. <laughs> where every five seconds the top, there'll be an announcement of who's coming through the doors it's like oh my god it's disgruntled postal workers <laughs> oh my god it's a lawnmower <laughs> uh, and unfortunately the good gag at the end which you can't really talk about now is that OJ Simpson stops the baby from crashing Oh no! and then picks the baby up and, and he's doing like an, an American football celebration and he's about to spike it in the floor <laughs> and the woman who holds it on goes my baby and takes it off him <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I've That's seen that amazing. film too much. That's amazing. Um, so then we get the trial. We do. So they've got the bookkeeper, and uh, uh, 
and Capone seems incredibly confident. He's even yawning at one point, Chris. Yeah, and uh, and having a, a sneaky uh, wank as well. I yeah, think, at some point. basically, yeah, because he can he can get away with it. Do he likes? Yeah, because it turns out he passes a note to Nitty, not very subtly, I might add, <laughs> which it turns out is a, a complete list of everybody who's bribed on the jury. I'd have probably left that at home. <laughs> yeah, Nitty's like, why do I need this note? Yeah, yeah. Why, why are you giving me this note? <laughs> but it's good. Nest spots that Nitty's packing heat to have him taken outside. He does, yes, and uh, not also that that man is pure, clearly pure evil. So mm. we should we should take a look at him. Uh, so this leads to this weird standoff out in the hall mm. where Nitty realizes he's been made because yeah. they find they find a list. And I just realized, of course, that Capone has given it to Nitty, so Nitty will make will make the payments. Okay, yeah, mm. I've, okay, I, I figured that in real time. Yeah. Um, so so you have this weird scene where Nitty gets the drop on Ness and the other cop who's standing there but doesn't shoot Ness and make a run for it he said he decides to go up to the roof but he shoots the cop and there's this incredible bit where the cop falls to the ground yeah. and kind of just throws his gun to Ness and goes take it and he goes here take it <laughs> yeah like what but we've also got the good scene where they say to him you know you have to give him his gun back he's got permission to have the gun and Ness is annoyed so he goes to light a cigarette with N- Nitty's matches yes and as he opens it there he goes uh and that's where he says, uh, hang on, 1634 Racine. I yes. had a friend who lived there. Yes. And then we know he's killed Malone. Oh. Yeah, and as you say, did. he then makes a run for it and they have that awesome rooftop chase. Absolutely. 1634 uh, South Ra- uh, Racine Avenue, by the way, is um, is real address, but it is not uh, remotely, I think, residential. So oh. if anyone wants to go there and look and see where Jimmy Malone lived in air quotes and mm-hmm. you're going to be shit out of luck uh, mm-hmm. but I wonder if Jimmy Malone lived there because Racine sounds a bit like racist <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe he was just uh, finally I have come home <laughs> also if there are any really stupid people out there that is also where they buried gold if you want to go and have a look <laughs> <laughs> they buried all Capone's gold there um, and his safe's there as well if you're yeah, it's, all, it's all there it's yeah. all there uh, and then the, the the rooftop chase ends because he corners him and takes him up to the roof. And then Nitty, unfortunately, decides this is a good moment to wind him up about his dead friend that he's just murdered. <laughs> so he says he died like a pig. <laughs> he died screaming like a stuck Irish pig. Oh, you're, that's when Ness also says, because you killed my friend, you son of a bitch. Yeah. I like that line. He does. And, and then, uh, yeah, go on. Off the roof. Yeah, this is where he's crossed the line because... As you say, it's a, it was a sort of, we've gone past the point of no return now, so you might as well chuck the fucker off the roof. You might as well. Uh, mm. you've, you've, you've come this far, in for a penny, in for a pound. It's beautifully and, uh, done though, isn't it? With Nitty going, hey, 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 and then off. Yeah. This isn't right. This yeah. isn't fair. <laughs> you can't do that. They should have just dubbed that guy's lines over, over Nitty as he was done. falling. They should um, got James Earl Jones in to say, no, as he goes over the edge. <laughs> It wouldn't have been much worse than um, that. There's the I love the shot and I, I love the, the you know it's such a operatic way to to fall. He falls mm. a very brand of away from about yeah. seventeen different angles. Yeah. But uh, there's one shot where it's clearly blue screen and yes. they clearly had uh, Billy Drago uh, just on some sort of gimbal yeah. and they were like, okay, to give to give the impression that you're falling, just just scream a little bit and yeah. wave your arms and that'll do. Do the front crawl. <laughs> do the front crawl. Yeah. yeah. Now do I could do. Yeah. I could go push by an apple, shake a tree. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Billy. Comb your hair. <laughs> Superman. 
Uh, but then we get a very sort of unness moment where he comes yeah. back and then um, you get this POV shot, which is interesting, mm. where um, Stone comes over to him and says, oh, look, we found this in his pocket. He's bribed, bribed all the jurors. Mm. And, and Ness looks at him and then he says to him, where's Nitty? Yes. He goes, he's in the car. Yeah, he goes full Arnie for a second. He's, he's yeah. in the car. Yeah. I threw him off the roof. Um, I'm probably going to go to prison now. <laughs> he fell to his death. Mm. Wait a minute. That's not an oh. amusing one-liner. That's actually a statement of the truth. Re- oh, no. Remember, Nitty, I said I would kill you last. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we, we go and see the judge and say, look, you know, what do you think of this? And the judge says, yeah. ah, that's inadmissible. I don't believe it. No. Don't, so don't then, believe it. So then Ness says, can I have a minute with you, please? Mm. And tells him that his name's in the ledger. Yeah. But it's not, which has always confused me. It's a lie. Yeah. It's a lie. Because you think he'd go, well, show me then. Yeah. And Ness is like, I ate it. But yeah, and there's a moment where the judge, as he says, as he explains to J.W. Pepper, um, that that he says his name was in the ledger. And he goes, his name wasn't in the ledger. And you look at the judge and he gives a look like, oh, I've been caught out. And I th- I can't, oh, I've always thought, but if his name isn't in the ledger, then surely he hasn't done anything wrong. So... Yeah, and also it was just a list of intent to pay these people. Uh, it wasn't a list. They hadn't actually received money. So, well, you know, I'm no lawyer, John, but I hmm. think legally speaking, the end of this movie is a little bit shonky. I think it is. Because I'm pretty sure that because they're mid-trial at this point, and hmm. he just goes, switch the juries. What? Switch the juries. Yeah. So, and then it, so we're expected to believe that the next jury comes in. And then they just go, all right, so basic recap. <laughs> you know, you've missed a few days of the trial. Yeah, yeah. But we're going we're gonna to bring up the speed with a five-minute PowerPoint, just so you know. <laughs> and he's looking massively guilty, so you should probably just vote him guilty. Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple of moments there. Yeah, and also, the, the, when um, they say they're going to... They say they're gonna, they haven't even brought in the jury yet, by the way. Yeah. And Capone's like, hey, hey, what's a come and a go? Um, his lawyer stands up and goes, Your Honor, we'd like to change the plea from not guilty to guilty. And I'm like, that's a bit premature. I mean, you haven't even finished the trial yet. Yeah, precisely. It's like, you could probably bribe this other jury. Easily. <laughs> you know, just just a never-ending string of juries and just, just bribe them all. Uh, but yeah, he, like he, the lawyer... Because it's weird, because, you know... Throughout the movie, has been anyone who crosses Capone gets killed. Mm. The lawyer instantly crosses Capone. Like he's yeah. not getting a Christmas card that year from Capone. There's no question about no, it. No, it's 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 laboring under that misapprehension. App, laboring under that misapprehension that if you cut off the snake's head, it dies. Whereas <laughs> in actual fact, if Capone goes to jail, he'll still be controlling all the violence and crime. So you'll yes. that lawyer's effectively going to be killed immediately. Although he'd be played by Tom Hardy and a bit more flatulent. Uh, yeah. So good. Good for him. Yeah. God, you know the thing about that Capone trailer, even though it's mm. supposed to be called like Funzo or something, isn't it? Funzo. Funzo. Is that at no point do you hear Tom Hardy talk? And I just thought that's a bit worrying, isn't it? it yeah, I haven't seen the film yet, but I no. hear his voice is a little bit. Um, well, he's he's gone full Tom Hardy, from right. what I understand. That would be very painful. <laughs> <laughs> you were merely born in murder. <laughs> I was born in the dark, a murdered bird. You're nothing but a lot of talk on a bag. <laughs> and this is where <laughs> this is where Capone loses it and starts saying, "Well, what's a coming a going?" And he has to be held <laughs> back by all his men. And this yes. is where Ness is like, "Right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and fucking stick it to him." Does he go over there and say, "Have that, you prick"? Or, no, he doesn't. Or you know, stick that up your ass, you big shithead. No, yeah. he goes over and says, "Never stop fighting. Never stop fighting till the fight is done." Yeah. And then Capone's like, understandably like, 
What? Well, what are you saying to me? What? What is that? Never it's stop like, fighting. Never stop fighting until the fight is done. I mean, his payoff lines, it's, it's not great. No, but then but, he, he does pay it off because then Capone says, Ah, you're nothing but a lot of talking about. You need a new catchphrase, mate. <laughs> and then um, and that's, that's when Nesh just goes, Here end of the lesson. And you're like, Yes! Yes. Malone from Beyond the Grave. Up yours. Damn straight. Damn straight. And then we get a little um, epilogue where he goes back to his office and clears his desk. Mm-hmm. And George comes in and goes, Thanks, that was really great. And then he goes, No, thank you. And here, have Malone's key. Oh. And they look at the picture. Yeah. The picture of the four of them together. Now two of them dead. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's such a, yeah, it's a must, lovely. Must lovely be like end. when Paul and Ringo get together. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a nice payoff because the reporter, as you say, doesn't really have anything to do feeds him the line that's quite funny as he comes out at the end and he says um, you know they say they're going to repeal prohibition what will you do then? He goes I'll have a drink. <laughs> I'm oh, going to get yes. fucking shit faced. And that's when they get the Untouchables theme not Strength of the Righteous. No. Theme theme from the Untouchables. And a lovely shot of the Chicago street there with all the yeah. flags and everything. Oh it's beautiful. And that's what beautiful. a film. What a film. Great film. Mm. Incredible film. And uh you know, it was nominated for four Oscars, I right. believe, and obviously only won one for Connery. But it's 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 one of those movies. I think if you were to, you know, look at the films that came out in 1987, which was a decent year. Yeah, uh, I think Untouchables is is absolutely up there. And it, for me, it's uh, you know, it's maybe not the most pure De Palma movie, but mm. sometimes I like it when he's not being 100% weird cookie. Yeah. Um, Brian De Palma, you know, so it, it's movies like this, and even the original Mission Impossible. I was going to say, yeah. you know, things like that, and Carlito's way, where mm. he tempers himself a little bit and yeah. he tells a story about real people with real emotions. Those are the De Palma movies that are are the the best for me, and uh, you yes. know, as much as I love Carrie and Scarface and, and Blowout and things mm. like that, it's these films that, that stand up for me. Same, exactly the same. Well, well, Chris, we've reached the point where I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Oh yes. Uh, obviously, they're Bond related. Sorry, but they are. That's all right. Uh, all right. I, I, I'm trying not to give the same answers as I did last time. That's the. Um... Okay. So, Chris, what's your favorite Bond film? Uh, well, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously Quantum of Solace. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's it's got to be. It's got to be that. Um, though it remains License to Kill. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, your least favorite. With the, with the benefit of hindsight now. <laughs> Well, I I feel if I were to say Quantum of Solace, that would be a little bit reductive. I've only seen it once. Hmm. I think I need to see it again before. Uh, uh, you know, listen. Some people say they like it. Hmm. Some people say there's there's good things about it. But it's the Bond film that didn't do well in the middle of a writer's strike, whereas License to Kill obviously you know flourished. Hmm. Um, so I'd say the worst Bond film for me is um, I've got to go. Sadly, a few to a kill. Really. Yeah. Wow. I think the latter moors are just, by and large, awful. Octopussy and Feud of a Kill are just terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Feud of a Kill, even though it has some decent stuff, decent things, Walken and Grace Jones, no, it's, it's by and large awful. Fair enough. Uh, and can, can you give me your best made-up Bond film title? <laughs> um, all right. Okay. What did I say last time? I can't remember. I can't um, remember either. I can't remember. But... Um, are you I'm going to go for uh, let me see um, are you finished with that good 
I think that would be a, a good one to go. I'd love to see. You know, are you finished with that? It's it's you know, what does he mean? What is that? Hmm. Yeah. Are you finished with that? Are you finished with it that? It would make a good theme tune as well. It would be. Sam Smith singing, are you finished with that? Yeah. Are you finished with that? Give me an Oscar, you twat. <laughs> yes, it took me three minutes to write this song. Yeah. Uh, Bond is full of silly lady names, mm-hmm. uh, such as Holly Goodhead, Plenty of Tool, and Penelope Smallbone. Can you mm-hmm. give me your best Bond lady name? Uh, well, last time I know I went for Penelope Lady Garden. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to go down that route again. So this time I'm going to go for uh, Imelda Staunton. Okay, it, it sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah, also, <laughs> she's married to Jim Carter. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh god, I really That's want true. that joke to be really good and everyone to like it, but I have to do it. The picture. I- I like it. I like it. I like the fact that I she's like married to a very rare 80s action <laughs> film about a guy who uses gymnastics. <laughs> uh, 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 I'll skip the Q question because it's not relevant for this film. Uh, who would you have as James mm-hmm. Bond next? Um, it's a toss-up between the, it's two Henrys. Mm. And maybe they could take turns in, in different scenes. Mm. Uh, so I think Henry Cavill yes. is... is probably born to play James Bond yeah. and I, I I fear he may be missing the boat mm. uh, otherwise I think Henry Golding has made a very strong play of late uh, mm. he's the right age he's early 30s um, you know I think you know he's he would be the first um, uh, he'd be the first BAME actor to play Bond mm-hmm. uh, which would be which would be interesting but he's got he's got it all as far as I can see he's suave he's sophisticated he's good looking he, he can handle action stuff uh, he's got charm to spare as well mm. so I think if they're going to go outside the um, the box of Bond being a middle aged problematic uh, white guy which I, th- I I don't think they will. I think they'll I think they'll continue with with that uh, once, well. once they recast after Daniel Craig. Mm. Um, I, what I think they've done instead is by and you know obviously we haven't seen No Time to Die yet, but you know if the rumors are true and the Shanna Lynch is playing 007 and the code number has moved on to a black woman, uh, then that's that's great. That's progressive, and I think that's their way of getting around people clamoring for a black 007 while at the same time they will maybe they will keep James Bond as the person he has always been but if they decide to go outside that and they decide to uh, recast and recalibrate completely then I think Henry Golding is is the way to go I think you know Idris Elba 10 years ago would have been great same thing with Michael Fassbender would have been great 10 years ago but uh, you know, there's something about this Henry Golding guy hmm. okay That's, I'm, I'm sold check him out Check him I know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've not seen anything with him. I've seen interviews with him and stuff, and he seems pretty charming and cool. I mean, he's really good. Maybe not so much last Christmas, although he's perfectly charming in that. But um, and he plays a bad guy in The Gentleman, and mm. he does it pretty well. I thought he was pretty good in that. But check out Crazy Rich Asians, and you get to see the sort of the charming, rich playboy side of him as well. And then uh, a simple favor, Paul Feig's movie, a simple favor. He's kind of caddish in that movie as well. So he's mm. got he's got strings to his bow, and he just seems like he's got a really interesting story as well. He was a TV host, TV presenter. Um, and just decided to start kind of doing acting as a lark, uh, mm. maybe a little bit Lazenby-esque in that way. But mm. uh, I, th- I think he's got potential. Okay, good. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming in to talk about 
The Untouchables. John, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, it always is. And uh, I hope to speak oh. to you again soon one day. Indeed. What are you prepared to do? Here under Thorvashen. <laughs> Bye, Chris. <laughs> Cheers, John. If you're a fan of all things geeky, you're going to love Concessions, a brand new podcast by comedian Matt Hyten and myself, Beck Hill, where we interview your favourite cult heroes at Comic-Cons all across the world. We've got stars from Star Wars, Harry Potter, The Walking Dead and more. Make sure you tune in soon to Concessions. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.